Hello and welcome to an extra special episode of Drama School Dropout. Throughout the entire month of April, we have been celebrating my 24th birthday with two episodes a week. And today is the day it's all about. It's my birthday. I am 24. It's episode 78 and as per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and for the only time in 2022, I am your resident birthday celebrating drama school dropout. For this extra special episode, I couldn't think of a guest I'd rather celebrate with. For this episode, I am joined by one of my favourite actors who also happens to be EastEnders' current bad boy. Please welcome to the podcast, Charlie Wernham. Drama school dropout Graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fuck your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for coming and helping me celebrate my birthday, even though... No, happy birthday. I'm another year older, thank you. I'm happy. another year older, closer to death, a bit disgusting. <laughs> Come on in. How old are you are then? I'm 24. I'm 24. I, people will be listening to this and they will be like, what the fuck is he moaning about? Like 110%. But as you're all listening to this, I will be sat in a rehearsal room directing a cast and hopefully they've brought me cake. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Listen, I'm 27, so uh, you're, now you're making me feel old. Yeah, but he, he is the thing, right, that, that makes me scared about growing older. You've already done shit tons in your career i haven't even graduated yet <laughs> well it's it's one of them stupid stupid businesses where yeah. it doesn't have a, a lifespan on it which yeah. is what makes it beautiful um and always a bit of hope around the corner mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter how old you are which is what is great about the job i know but i'm just sort of like i was in a uni today i was actually quite worried about getting back just because we've had a bit of bad weather and the trains were all delayed and I was like for fuck's sake but yeah like all I look at all my classmates and they're all like dead young like like 19 and 20 because I dropped out and ended up taking like a gap year and shit (laughs) you could still like realistically like we were talking about this not long ago actually half my class could still go on Waterloo Road now and pretend to be school kids whereas I am never getting away with that shit I know I've struggled that was my that was my um go-to bit of school uniform (laughs) now now it's got to the point, I don't know whether it's putting on a bit of timber now I'm a bit older or what it is. Definitely ain't the facial hair. It's yeah. definitely not the facial hair. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. But that, yeah, it's a difficult one, the old, uh, you know, playing a, a teenager school mm. school kid. But um, it is definitely, while you're embracing it while you're that age, because it, it's difficult when you get that in-between sort of casting bracket years away. But again, thank you so much for coming and celebrating my birthday. And if anybody wants to send me cake, my email's in the show notes below and I'll send you my address. So if you want to send me cake and help me grow um, a triple chin, I'll be I'll be more than happy to accept that. Um, but what I like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role? How did I get into it? So I, I sort of fell into it a little bit more than anything. I loved it at school. Um, I went to normal state school. Billericay School in Essex, where I live. I went there and um, from literally from the age of 11, 12, whatever age you are when you start school, uh, senior school, and I loved drama. I loved that. It was the only lesson I looked forward to. We only had it, I think, once a week in year seven, maybe twice. I think it was once a week. And uh, I loved it. It was the only lesson I turned up to on time and <laughs> wanted to stay longer for um, because it was great fun then. You literally just used to go in. They used to say, go, you go with them, you go with them you go with them go and devise a piece come back at the end and show everyone so yeah. it was like a creative hour um and alongside that my sort of guilty pleasure was i love stand i love comedy comedy is my background i love it um stupid comedy when i was that age you know i love brian Connolly, joe pasquale peter k i love all the all the names that used to watch me growing up and um I used to do a lot of talent competitions when I went to holiday. You know, really classy family. Every holiday, if I'd be going Barbados or you know Marbella, I'm going to Blooming Haven Holiday Camp down in wherever it was. I used to go down there. We used to at least twice a year, and I used to love it. I used to do the talent shows. I used to nickel everyone's bad gags, and I used to just go and have my you know creative nerve wracking sort of center of attention sort of twenty minutes and do my yeah. talent competition. Um, so I knew I liked performing, I knew I liked acting, I knew I liked being on stage, I liked doing that sort of stuff. And then um, in drama, so it was about, you got to about year eight, and I, 
I said, well, it was actually me Nan said to me, she said, go and do this new show out called Britain's Got Talent. Go and it's on telly on ITV, go and do it. I said, all right, I'll go and do it. And I'd done it. I didn't expect to get anywhere, but I got all, I got through to the semi-finals, to the live shows, which was which was pretty crazy. Um, and then it was after I'd done that, I realised actually I really like performing. I like the nerves. I like the sort of just being, you know, just performing in general, whatever it was. I loved it, and um, and I and I took it as an option in school. So in I think year nine, you get asked to say, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to, what do you want to take as an option? Did drama, I think went up to three lessons a week. I nearly dropped drama when I took my GCSEs. Did you really? Yeah. I, I was going to do three languages. I took it. I'm glad I took it. I wish I didn't take it for A-level, but I'll come back to that because I was an absolute shambles. <laughs> that was. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I did it. And then one of my, yes, so a boy in my year, his cousin was an agent at Sylvia Young Drama School in London. And um, basically, see me on Britain's Got Talent, see that I went to that school and said, would Charlie like to come in for a chat? And long story short, I met Sylvia herself. She basically said, would you like to come? My parents said, we haven't really got the money, but I'm sure we can find it. I said, no, look, I, I, don't, I don't know. And then I got offered a scholarship at the school, which was amazing. Um, but I went up a few times, did a bit of Saturday school. I was quite an anxious kid. I did like, although I was a bit confident, I didn't really like being out outside my comfort zone. I didn't like it. The school's an amazing school. But for me at that age, that's funny teenage age where I just didn't want to go to London every day. And I and I felt like I just didn't fit in. I didn't like singing. I can't sing. I can't hold a tune. I can't dance. Same. I've got two left feet. So acting was the only thing I wanted to do. Yeah, I so I could only do that. Had a movement class today. It was fun. <laughs> do you know what? The movement class, I didn't, I was just going the wrong way. I mean, I mean, there was a, we had this thing in, um, in the, when I went up there for a little, little tester session, little taster session. They got me to sing. They gave me the bloody high note at the end of the song. Everyone in the <laughs> class got a line. And it sounded, it sounded like someone got shot when I tried to hit that high note. It was awful. And um, I went, yeah, no, this, ain't, this isn't for me. So um, anyway, I said, thanks very much, but I'd love to be on the agency, but I don't want to come to the school. And I did. And my first job they got me was School of Comedy, which was a sketch show on E4 back when I was 13, 14. Um, and then I just carried on in, on their books since then, really, until I got to the age of about 16. And then I changed my agent because I, I outgrew the, uh, the, the agency because of my age. Yeah. And it, yeah, sort of went from there, really. So a bit of luck, being in the right place at the right time, giving it a go. And that's how I got into it, really. But um, yeah, my A-level was a disaster. My A-level was a disaster. I, yeah. I, um, I took it. And then I realised that you actually have to learn about acting now. And yeah, it's not just and, get up and have a piss about. Yeah, so I got me A star in, in drama in GCSE, which I was over the moon about. Make it up, make up a bit. And then we start. Have you heard of a play called Accidental Death of an Anarchist? I've heard of it. I'm not familiar. It's one of those that I probably should have read by now. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. It's about these uh, sort of policemen who get this psychopath arrested. And in the end, this is a comedy. When I did my A-level, there was five people in my group and they say, OK, you have to condense your play that you've picked to five minutes a person. So if it's a two and us, 10 minutes, three and us, all an hour. And um, we had five, 25 minutes. And... Um, I had this opening monologue, which I did really well with, really happy. It was about a couple of minutes long. And um, my mate, one of my best mates to this day, Callum, he was a psychopath. And someone forgot their line. So Callum, using his sort of initiative, which was a terrible idea, uh, went straight to the next line that he could remember, which was actually the second from last line of the play. Uh, so our 25 minute piece ended up being about six minutes um, the bomb went off we all pretended to die the lights went out we took a bow and there was the slowest ripple of applause <laughs> like that, because everyone knew it was dreadful uh, and we all got an ungraded so <laughs> I mean it's I don't I never went to drama school I don't envy anyone that went because it is difficult very very difficult it is it, and it it's something now I don't know even if I should still say this because I'll still be there when this episode comes out. <laughs> I didn't go to... I, I went to drama school originally for the training and the the experience of being a thespian in education and fucking hated it. I had a terrible time um, and dropped out. And when I decided to go back to drama school, I didn't go back for the training or the education because everybody that I'd ever spoken to said 
it doesn't really matter and you learn on the job anyway. Yeah. I went back for the experience, the connections and the opportunities. And where I happen to go now, we were all on Spotlight. We got a professional showcase with loads of industry people. Then everybody that could obviously, because COVID has fucked it all up. Our industry yeah. showcase was professionally filmed and is now being sent out to shit tons of people all over the country. Yeah, of course. It's it's one of those things I, I, I felt very, um, the fortunate position I was in when I started is I had no expectations. I hadn't yeah. trained. I didn't have a hat. I didn't have my hat on it. I didn't have my heart set on nothing. I just went, I'm going to go and do this. The, the same thing I was doing in the classroom. Mm. I was just doing it with a camera for me. And for some money. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I mean, I was 13, 14 when I'd done it. So I just thought, wicked, it's going to be filmed. I can watch it back. That's that's amazing. Um, and I sort of didn't have any expectations. And I, and I understand that people train. They, they pay a lot of money. They put a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of heart into the school, uni, stage school, whatever it might be, that there is, uh, it's almost a risk if they don't succeed. Whereas I was very lucky, I never had that. If I didn't succeed, I just went back to school, no problem. Mm. Um, and I kind of I felt like that kind of come through when I was younger, and still to this day, really, um, because I don't, I don't want to say I don't care, because I've learned so much. I've learned on the job. I love what I do, and my biggest fear is failure. Mm. But it's one of those things where I was never given, you know, I never took the step up. I never had, you know, that. I never had anyone invest in me in regards to money, time or anything like that, apart from my agent that took me on. So it was kind of like I didn't have anything to lose. But yeah. I, And I kind of love that freedom that I've got and I had when I was younger um, because I feel like I might not have, you know, I might have succumbed to the pressure of, oh, my God, my parents have put me here and I've put a lot of time and effort in for three or four years. I need to get somewhere. And it's difficult, but on the flip side to that, I didn't have any of the contacts, the network, I didn't rub shoulders with the right people. I mean, I imagine you've met people that you've studied with that are writing, directing and producing. And I was I was sort of doing some research for, for this last night. And I, I think, uh, not to make you feel slightly old, but um, I grew up watching you grow up on TV. So you were slightly oh, older than me. You were no, like I've never said that to me before. Well, <laughs> you done you done the Inbetweeners, and I had just started watching the Inbetweeners. I was old enough at that time to be allowed to watch that sort of shit. And then Bad Education, which I'm a fucking huge fan of. It's one of my like go to like you know when you've got Netflix and you fall asleep to Netflix. Yeah. It's on my rotation <laughs> of shows. Like I go Friends, Still Game, Orange Is the New Black um fucking shameless uk i can't believe i forgot that one bad education like i cycled through them so yeah i definitely grew up watching you grow up on tv which was which is a bit mental to be honest but yeah in between us i want to talk to you about what was that experience for you like because you um you got to beat up he's not called simon that's his character's name joe uh, joe thomas Thomas, yeah, uh, yeah I, I did. I got to beat up Joe. It was a funny one because I'd never heard of the show before because I was only 14 myself. So not that I wasn't allowed to watch it. I just hadn't seen it. I, I was going to say you were in Series 1, weren't you? No, I was in Series 2, I think. Right. I was in, it was Series 2, the work experience episode. And I got the audition and my mate was round and he went, oh, I fucking love that show. I went, I ain't even seen it. He said, it's wicked, watch it. And I remember watching the third series back and pissing myself laughing. Um, and then I, I basically, I did the audition was hilarious. It was at Spotlight, not where Spotlight is now, the old building. I don't know if you remember the old building. Yeah. Uh, only got on Spotlight two months ago. No, yeah, Spotlight's <laughs> old building in Leicester Square. Um, and oh no, I think it's the same building. Sorry, ignore me. Same building, in Leicester Square. It's just been refurbed. Um, so it was when it was refurbed and it was looked like an office block. Um, I went in there. My old man come up with me. Um, and you sit in spotlight and you all look around and you all sit there and you kind of go, oh, he's going for my part. He's going for my part. <laughs> so you just sit and bog everyone out a little bit. And then um, I was reading the script and the script was pretty much as it was on screen. A couple of lines, a lot of swearing and a bit of kicking. And my, I like, Charlie Wernham, yeah, come in. All right. So I went in and my dad, bless him, he said it was so funny. I literally opened the paper. He has a paper on the side. He picked up the paper. By the time he opened it, I walked out. He said, oh, was it, was it not you that needed? I said, that was me. I said, it's all done. He said, really? Done. He said, that it? 
And it was one of my first auditions I ever got. I think it was the second audition I ever had. Yeah. I went, yeah, that was a waste of time then, wasn't it? Let's go. And I hadn't even got home and they'd called my agent who then called me and said, yeah, they love you. They want you. And um, he said, what did you have to do in there? I said, it was hilarious. I said, I went in, I shouted, fuck, prick, wank, some load of swear words, shouted a load of swear words. Um, I said, one of the producers laid on the floor. I gave him a good eye in and then I walked out. And that was literally <laughs> it. I was in there for, was in there for a minute. He went, that's brilliant. They've got one of the producers to Lalafell. I can't remember who it was now. And um, he had like a little pillow and I just booted the shit out of this pillow and got the part. Um, <laughs> so that was that, that was funny. But when I was doing it, I never really realised how big that show was going to be. Mm. Um, I just did it. I think I was on it for three days. Had a whale of a time. Uh, the boys were great. Every single one of the cast was hilarious. Um, and then, yeah, did some rehearsals. I literally filmed it. It came out. It was brilliant. And then it's now pretty much part of every single teenage, well, teenage, I'd say anyone between the age of about 20 and 30 now is, yeah. is part of their daily vocabulary, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's just everyone's quoting it, everyone's talking about it. And it never will, it will never change. It will never change. But it's quite funny because I go, I'll go away with the boys and whatever. And the amount of times I get, that is one of my, I'd probably say that is my most recognised show. That's the thing I get recognised for the most. Um, the, you're the geezer that, that kicked Simon, kick the shit out of Simon, it was getting wanked off. I'm like, yep. <laughs> uh, they might know the character's name. But everyone remembers the character, which is crazy, just goes to show how big that show was. Oh, I remember his name. Yeah, or oh, Danny Moore. Danny Moore. I've got it wrote down in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't yeah. have remembered it until I started um, researching this podcast. I, but yeah. I, I, I remember that one. It, yeah, it was. Well, it was an amazing bit to be a part of. I didn't quite realise the scale of the show was going to be when um, I, I did it, but it was brilliant. And I, it's like a big thing I look back on now and say... I know probably my kids are going to end up watching that show one day and it's going to be one of them ones where I'll, yeah, I'm proud to say I was in it. I, I want to fast forward quickly because I want to talk about one of your most recent things and then we'll come back um, a bit. Um, so you were just in EastEnders. Uh, I believe you're finished now. I couldn't actually... It says you're finished on the Wikipedia. Couldn't find anything to actually say. I've still got more to film, so don't believe the internet. Yeah, because I looked. <laughs> I was like... Has Charlie Wenham left EastEnders? And I couldn't genu- couldn't find anything, but it says that you've let your last appearance was on Wikipedia. So I was like, I am arrested. I'm in prison. Yeah. In prison. So uh, we're out with characters in prison. So I, yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not knocking about the square, but I have still got there's still stuff to, to do yet. So not quite the end uh, mm. of Aaron. Yeah. So obviously you're from Essex, like we've already said, and I can only imagine that EastEnders becomes more iconic the closer you get to the capital city because. Even I had an, uh, a meeting with an agent the other day and they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I'm not opposed to doing anything apart from porn. And even then, don't rule it out. Do you know what I mean? Don't no, I'm all right for my mum seeing that, not going to lie. <laughs> I'm all right for that. And I said, but I'm, I'm not stupid. And I know that my time left with my grandma isn't very long. And I, I remember being there and she's a massive. They'd note the telly on seven o'clock every night goes... Emmerdale, Coronation Street, EastEnders. So I grew up with all of that, and I would quite like my grandma, now that I act and everything, to see me on something that we watched together. And it turns out they didn't give a fuck, so I turned them down because they were just a bit shit. But what <laughs> is it like being from basically that area, being from just outside of London and then getting cast on EastEnders? Um it was fun. It was always one of them things from the, I talk about when I was at school, from year seven, year eight, you're going to be in EastEnders one day, you'll be in EastEnders one day. And everyone says it, everyone says it. And even when I was on Hollyoaks, I had people, oh, you're in EastEnders. And I go, no, I'm not. And they used to go, oh, no, yeah, you are. I go, no, I'm not. And everyone just assumed I was either going to be in it or I was I was already in it because of the way I spoke, et cetera, and, and where I'm from. And I got people. that about Big Brother. Did you? <laughs> yeah. And then the last ever series, I was a reserve housemate and was actually like basically meant to go in the house. And thank fuck I didn't. Why didn't you get to go in? So I just didn't get, I, I think it went, I was this, like I was in the top 16 and only 14 or something went in. I missed out by like two. I mean, so you need, yeah. Oh, I see. I'd love that. I'd love to be locked in house and not have to, well, I suppose you have got to talk to people. Well, see, I was 19 and when we were doing all the auditions, I proper played up to being the cunt. Yeah, 
I would have to. I, so that's the difference. If I ever got to go into one of them shows like I'm a celeb or something like that, whatever it was, where they bung a load of people together, I'd have to play up to not being the cunt. But what people would realise very quickly is that I am. Mm. And then that, that people wouldn't like me then uh, oh. because I'm grumpy. I'm really grumpy. I'm bored from the grumpy. <laughs> sorry, yeah, your question about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got, we've gone right off track here about um, what we'd order if we was in the Big Brother house. Um, no, uh, yeah, so for me, uh, I've watched EastEnders from ever since I can remember. And I think, sorry if you can hear scratching, it's my dog at the door. It's, been it's all good. Uh, I might let him in, actually. He won't come and say hello. It's happy birthday to you. Come on, Ralph, quickly. Or he might hear the, the wee advice and go mental. Like, that's, no, that's he won't. Won't. he wants. Look, he's coming up now. Look at that. He's like a child. Look, he's like a baby. <laughs> he can hear me chatting away and he thinks he's missing out. So now yeah. we're him. So, sorry. Yeah, we digress. Back to uh, back to EastEnders. Um, it was one of the things that I always watched growing up and I can remember it back to the old, you know, Trevor and Mo, going back to Beppe and Steve and Phil and all that, them characters. Um, and I loved it. And it was for me. From coming from a very busy family that always 100 mile an hour, it was that one half an hour a day that we got to sit down and actually just yeah. sit in front of the telly. Even if we didn't have dinner together that night because we were busy with hobbies or whatever, we just sit down and watch it. And I loved it. And it was my, that for me when I was growing up, that was the pinnacle. That was, that's what I'm, that is acting. That is where I need to be. That is yeah. a big thing. And, and it never left. Um, and I think I stopped watching it i think when i started hollyoaks purely because of how busy i was working uh you know the hours i was working and then when i moved in with my other half um we started watching it again she started watching it and then you know my family do watch it and a lot of my friends watch it and um so I, i've always i've always been invested in it yeah and i always said no matter what i was doing no matter how if i was in la filming if i was in new york films i was in i was in um london whatever i was doing whatever scale and if I was free, I would do EastEnders for whatever it was. And a couple of opportunities to come up to play some other parts, which I turned down, or the casting director said, this is not enough for you, um, which was I'm really grateful for now because um, the time that I've been in it and whatever happens in the future, I've had a nice substantial amount of time there. I've got to have a drink in the Vic. I've got to have a fight i've got to be on the square i've got to have a chat with janine i've got to do all this do you know what i mean all these things you, you dream of doing when you was a kid so for me from a very selfish point of view it's a big tick on my acting bucket list which i have always wanted to to do um but it's quite funny because i'm just glad i've done it because everyone's like, oh you'll be in eastenders one day you do this you do that um and and i've always wanted to and now they can stop saying it now they can stop saying it and now i've done it um, and if they if I'm still there a while after I'm, you know, whatever it is meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, Come on, tell us what's going to happen. Spoiler all. <laughs> well, I, def I definitely won't have a future there if I start doing that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, no, listen, I've, I've managed to do a lot of the things I wanted to do. As I say, my first scene was in the Vic with Janine yeah. and I had all the dialogue. It was very daunting. But um, it it was perfect. I loved it. It was really really good, and I and I and I wouldn't change any of it for the world. I got to do some very gritty stuff, a lot of emotional stuff, a lot of fun stuff, um, a lot of hard hitting stuff as well. So I felt like even my short space of time that I've been there thus far, um, I've managed to tick a hell of a lot of boxes. And I don't think I'd have been satisfied if I just went there, had a chat with someone, two or three eps, and then gone. I, yeah. I wouldn't have been satisfied. It's weird that you talk about. Um acting bucket lists because i talk yeah. about that quite a lot and you're the first person i've ever met that spoke about it as well and what's really, really gotten for me is that three things on my acting bucket list i'm never going to get to do what are those got to ask shameless uk which i doubt that's ever going to come back because you can't do it anymore you can't get away with oh. what they did um two pints of lager and a packet of crisps which apparently was coming back and we got the exclusive on the podcast last year with susan nixon and she said i can be in it but still not happened. I still haven't had the phone call. And um, still game. Still game was a big one. Right, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I think my, mine would have to... The one I, I won't be able to do would be Only Fools and Horses, my favourite show of all time, the best show ever made in my eyes. Um, you would never change my mind. <laughs> I think that is... You and Harry Reid would get along. Well, don't. I've got a bone to pick with him. I spent about the last five or six years of my life 
people thinking I'm Harry Reid. I've saw the um, pictures. Seen it on the, the Sun or whatever, whoever <laughs> posted it. Yeah. I spent the last sort of eight years of my life being asked if I'm Ben Mitchell, which is really <laughs> hard now I'm in EastEnders. Because I had it uh, the other day. We went to we went to the Canvas, went to Canvas Sands and the waitress came up to me. She went, are you in EastEnders? I went, yes, I am. Yeah. She went, Ben Mitchell. I went, no. No. no, no. <laughs> no. So uh, then you have an awkward moment of explaining that no, I'm in it, but I ain't that person. So then they're really underwhelmed and it's awkward for everybody. <laughs> uh, but he loves... The only reason yeah, I said Harry, that was he loves Only Fools and Horses as well. He was my first celebrity guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's my favourite. I watch it back to back on a Sunday. It's on gold from about 11 till 6. I'll sit there and... If, <laughs> If I want to tell you to myself, I sit there and just fester and watch eat animals and horses and, and 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 read along with it almost. But that's my one. If I had to pick one, would be Only Fools. It's brilliant. It's perfect. I love it. You mentioned it slightly, and um, I don't want to talk too much about it. I just want to ask you because you had already done Hollyoaks and because you had become a major family on Hollyoaks. Was there ever when you got offered EastEnders, even though it's the dream role? Was there ever that little bit that goes, I don't know if I should do this? No, because he was on the bucket list. Yeah. No, that was it. That For me, I think people have this stigma with soap of once you get in, you can't get out and it's bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. It's how you handle yourself when you're in it. If you want to sit there and then if you want to be in all the papers and go on all these shows and be a celeb and do all that, which I don't have a problem with because it pays well and people like it, then this, I don't have an issue with it. Some of my best friends do it. It's yeah. not what I've ever wanted. So if someone ran me out and said, do you want to sell this on Instagram for this much money? Do you want to come on my show and do this for this much money? Blah, 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 blah. The answer would be no, because I'm I'm lazy. I don't want to, if I don't enjoy it, I no, I am. I know it's, I'm the same. I'm, I'm fucking lazy. If, if you want, I, I can't even be asked to text people back sometimes. That's not me being horrible. I, half the time, I don't know where my phone is, let alone post a picture of some air spray. Do you know what I mean? I can't be asked. So um, I, I, for me, it's one of the things is how you conduct yourself. Um, and sometimes it's out of your hands. If you're attractive and you're a young man, young woman, whatever, um, and you're in a relationship, whatever, but the papers get it, people get all over it and they're going to start to talk about you. Uh, luckily enough, I'm really boring. And 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 it's one of the things where I'm not interested in. So I, I fly under the radar a little bit. And I did with I did with Holly Oaks um, in response in, in respect to sort of my, my personal life and that sort of business, um, but think yeah I never once I left uh, Holly Oaks while I was doing it I still did a third series about education I went and done a film I did a couple of films after that you know last year I've done a show for HBO I've done a new show for Apple. Um, so when EastEnders come along, it wasn't like I was straight one to the other. I'd been busy in between. And um rub it into the unemployed actor. Go on. Yeah, no, that's fucking <laughs> going if you want. I'm, I was unemployed for two years, so I need to make myself feel better. Um so no, it's one of them things where I think if you if you want it to um sort of you know, take over your life, you can. But for me, it was never a problem. And you know, I jumped at the chance to EastEnders and I and I love it. I, I I'm so glad I did it. This next question was one that I had planned to ask you because I thought you had left. So I'm going to slightly rephrase it. Up until now, now that you've not left EastEnders, but I know you can't talk about what's happening in the future. What will be the one moment that's happened up till now that will stick with you for the rest of your career? Like if you forget everything else from EastEnders, but in 50 year time, one of your kids says to you, Oh, what did you do on EastEnders? Like, what was the best part of that? What's going to be the one moment? It would be the New Year's Eve episodes that I did. I was very lucky. I got, um, along with some other storylines that were going on in the same episodes, um, it was the kind of climax of the New Year's Eve week, which I was very honoured to be sort of uh, written into, or my character was written into, along with Ross Boatman that plays my dad, um, who was in London with Berlin and and mum and other shows like that great actor i love him i get on very well with him he's like a dad as well he, he, we get on well um he's a spurs fan but we'll let it go um but he he yeah i'd say working with him we had a lot of emotional stuff we had a lot of very high intensity stuff for the weeks leading up to the new year's plot 
the New Year's plot itself and the New Year's plot after. But I'd have to, in a nutshell, say the New Year's Eve episodes with Ross Boatman, acting opposite him, two-handers, um, good writing, very emotional. And it was, yeah, that would have to be my standout highlight of EastEnders for me. Did you get to have um, a little reunion with your Hollyoaks mum, Gillian Tilford? I did, I did, I did. I, got, I was very lucky, I got a couple of them. Um, I The first one took a while in regards to, yeah, we shoot about two months in advance, I think it's about two months in advance, give and take. And um, I had a couple of scenes with her. She was the worst person on a Hollyoaks at making me laugh. <laughs> and I'm very good at not corpsing, normally. Joe Trussini used to play Dennis in Hollyoaks. Well, he's just a fucking legend, isn't he? Fucking brilliant. I love Something it. wrong with um, you if you're not laughing at Joe. Yeah, he, uh, we had a scene together. We had to rewrite the scene. We rewrote it because I, I changed it so I didn't have to look at him in the eyes because it, <laughs> we was an hour on the scene. So I made my, I said, well, I'm just going to look at all this shit in this shop that he owns. So that was that. But the sec- second to Joe was Gillian Taupel. She's the worst for making me laugh. We used to laugh all the time. She's a brilliant actress. And um, yeah, so I've been on EastEnders a couple of months. Doing very well, I thought. Looked very professional in the calf with Kathy uh, and pissing myself laughing, trying to complain about a bacon sandwich or whatever my character was doing. But uh, I did get a reunion. Um, she still was amazing and beautiful inside and out. And, and as, as an incredible woman as, as she, she's ever, she gets younger by the day. Um, she has the best repertoire of songs you will ever hear. She she call it we call her jukebox Jilly because she's got a song for every every sentence you say. Um, she got a finger stuck in a frying pan at the uh, in the little hook of the fr- in the little hoop that goes in the end of the frying pan to hang it up. She got that st- a finger stuck in that mucking about when she weren't concentrating um, in a scene a couple of weeks ago, which was a highlight of my um, day that day. But she, yeah, I did get a reunion with her. I love her. She's amazing. And um, what a, what a person to know. She did just text me and said she'll pay you for saying all of that later on. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah, I'll get <laughs> she. I'll send her the invoice. <laughs> You can now become an official drama school dropout. We're now on Patreon and you can help this podcast grow on so many levels. As an official drama school dropout, you'll have access to unique benefits, including exclusive early access to episodes before anyone else. To become an official drama school dropout, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash drama school dropout. If you were booked to do a one-month run in a two-person show on the West End, or you can pick Broadway, I just say the West End, so I can come and see it, and the producer comes and says to you, listen, Charlie, we've got enough money that we can just throw shit to the wind and we can get really anyone to be your co-star that you want. So who would you pick that's alive, anyone in the world, to come and be your co-star in a two-person show? Fuck me. Jesus, what a question. What a dream. It's difficult, isn't it? Because at that point, my ego kicks in. I think, Jesus, don't know I'm better. (laughs) <laughs> well, see, I'm all about it. I'm going to carry on with my weekly tirade and everyone who listens every week, we're going to do the usual thing. Please go over to Catherine Tate's Instagram and Twitter. Just ask her to come on the podcast. That's all I want, right? I- I'm sort of giving up my dream that we're going to be on the West End together. Just come on the podcast, Catherine. Like, make my day. <laughs> no, I- is that, would you-, would you pick Catherine Tate? Is yeah. that your... Every day. That you'd be- yeah, yeah. Okay. Closely followed by David Threlfall. Okay, yeah, good good choices to be fair. Mine is you've got your obvious ones, and yeah, you I mean you've got your very obvious Oscar winners and you you know, you you sort of your Danny Dan Lewis's, you the carriage, your McConaughey, you've got all of that, you know, you've got your um you know, Olivia Coleman's and people like that who you'd probably expect. I would either say if I can get can I give one of each? Can I give I'll a woman and a man? As long as I'm the man. You're the man, you're the man, <laughs> you're the man. No, yeah, I, I absolutely. I'm, I've been very lucky to meet her a few times, and and, and have a drink with her and and speak to her quite a lot. But I'd say Sheridan Smith. I'd have to choose oh. if it was an influence. What a I'd shout! Yeah, I'd have to. She's unbelievable. I love her. She's great. Um, I'd probably choose her uh, for my for my female, and then I'm gonna. I'm going to not go for your obvious on the nose ones. Okay, I'm not going to go for your David Jasons and people like that. But I'm going to go for Joe Gilgan. I'm going to go for Joe Gilgan. 
this is this is England and Misfits because I've never met Joe. Oh no, I met Joe once. No, I didn't. That was the other guy who was in Misfits. Completely wrong person. I was only twelve. Um, uh, <laughs> I never met Joe. I've got some friends that know him, and he's very off the wall. He's an incredible mm. actor. He improvises a hell of a lot, and I love improv. And I would love him to absolutely give me a masterclass in 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 improv and. Mm. Um, yeah, just being an all-around fucking great actor, and whether you do, whether he's doing comedy or drama, he's he's mustard. So I'd pick Joe Gilgan as my British actor to to act, op, act opposite, and Sheridan Smith as my female. Yeah, do you know what? Right, actually, I do love Sheridan. I um, like I said, grew up on, grew up as a child of BBC Three, and was was there for Two Pints, and Two Pints, one of my favourite TV shows of all time. So yeah, I, I'm quite, but I'm going to stick with Catherine Tate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a hard question. It's a fucking good question. It's a hard question, though, because it depends what you're doing, obviously. But yeah, if I could, if I could work with, with any, I'd love to work with Joe. Uh, I'd love to work with Sheridan. Um, both who, it's just one of the things, isn't it? You'd learn, you'd, you'd yeah. literally, you'd have, you know, his experience in the space of, you know, six week run. It'd be amazing. Well, well, I will say, do you have is that plan? Is that a surprise at the end? Yeah, Sher- Sheridan and Joe are coming out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're in the waiting room fuck I've been yeah, in the green there. room sitting there waiting going oh god <laughs> got another competition winner but talking about being a child of BBC Three I want to talk a little bit about Bad Education because it's it's such an iconic TV show and I had Ethan Lawrence on the podcast last summer who's become a good, great friend and yeah yeah, I'm just a massive fan of the show what was um, what was that like for yeah, and I remember my first table read and it was it was hilarious it was brilliant and from that initial table read I mean I was only I can't remember how old I was I think I want to say 16 17 but I found it hilarious the room in front of the you know the BBC that you know the the the, the, the big hitters at the BBC and the producers and whatever mm. they were getting belly laughs um but you know yeah I thought it was hilarious and and sort of the rest is history if you, if you want to you know use that saying it kind of it kind of was it was brilliant but um I kind of had one audition one table read and then we went into reading in front of the the commissioners which was amazing so it's quite short and sweet but yeah I fucking love that show what I love 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 doing that show well you said you were 16 or 17 I, I can actually tell you that this year is the 10-year anniversary is it really I, I just know yeah yeah, we're coming up to it. So you say that sounding shocked. Um, so no surprise reunions coming up? No, not that I know of at the moment. Not that I know of at the moment. I'd love this. Well, Charlie, too. welcome to the podcast. Jack Whitehall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, do you know what um, was one of the months, where it would be? I'd love that. It'd be wicked. It'd be absolutely wicked. I think it'd be interesting because I think what Jack done brilliantly and Freddie, who wrote it, who co-wrote with Jack, and there was other writers involved as well over the years. Um, something that they got spot on from the start, which must have been difficult, was getting each character now down to such a... And obviously the actors, I've got to give every actor credit, they made it their own as well. Mm. And then I imagine it become easier for Freddie and Jack to write for the characters once the first series was over and they heard their voices and could imagine them playing the parts, how they wanted, you know, how they played them. Yeah. But each character was so identifiable and so strong that they stick in people's minds so it'd be amazing to see where they are now. Do you know what I mean? That'd be yeah. wicked. Not trying to, you know, that'd be amazing. Um, another one of my favourite urban legends from TV, because it's never been confirmed by the person that has supposedly done it. So I'm going to just not confirm it, but I've been told it happened. Um, Jodie Latham infamously apparently stole the sign from the pub in Shameless. Right. Did you nick anything from set of Bad Education? I didn't. I didn't. I wish I could have a better answer than that, but I didn't nick anything because we used the set for obviously all the series, all the film, the Christmas special, all that sort of We used it all. So I was. Did you not even keep the school tie or anything? No. No. Oh, the, the, yeah. Do you know what? I kept. Yes. All right. Okay. It was really boring. I've no character. I've got both. I've got loads of holes in my ears. And one of my. Things was like two. I'm sure I had two little um, horrible studs, and I've still got the studs. I've got the studs. They're in the drawer. I haven't put earrings in my ears for years. But they're, they're, that that's what I had. But no, I didn't steal anything. 
But if I could have, there was one episode where I think it was a Christmas special. I wore the Undertaker from WWE's outfit, so yeah, I would have stolen that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't steal anything, but I'm 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 still gonna nick some stuff from uh, EastEnders. You're gonna nick I don't me know something. Yeah, I don't you... know what I want. Just, anything. Anything. Old Queen Victoria's. Yeah, the box. I'll get that. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, get that, 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 yeah, Archie Mitchell's murder weapon, isn't it? I'll I'll give you twenty quid. Yeah, I'll give you a score. Oh, I'll shot it to you for a score. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine? I just end up. Imagine that. Somebody, imagine somebody that. walks like, in my living room. Going out of Queen Victoria in Redlock. Somebody just walks in my living room and just the Queen Vic's out there. How'd you get that? Well, I, I gave Char- Charlie Wenham 20 quid and he stole it for me. Yeah. Never worked again since, Charlie. Never worked. <laughs> um, oh, God. We're, gonna, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. And uh, one of my favorite all time things is this game that I created. Well, I say I created it. It's two truths and a lie. Um, right back at the beginning of the podcast and it's called stage right or stage shite and it's three stories two of them are the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and one of them is a big fat lie that's been made up by our producer and i have got their answer in a sealed envelope so i can play along these are my favorite things in the world and for everybody listening just considering it's my birthday when you're all listening to this let's have an announcement um, this summer, there will be officially um, a book with all of the stage right or stage right stories in all of the very best ones. And I, I, I'm pretty sure one of one of these is in it. So, um, yeah, let's. Um, so, yeah, th- when all that comes out, please go and buy it or don't. If you don't want to, um, I'm, I'm not your boss. Don't need to do what I tell you. Um, but, yeah, so we've just got to find out which one is shite. So number one. My tutor at drama school handed me a pound coin after my last tutorial and told me that at least I was leaving drama school with some money because I would never get a job from it. <laughs> I bought a scratch card with the pound and won three grand. Number two, my entire class at drama school came out in hives after our lecturer used builder's sand on stage. It hadn't been treated and was still crawling with bugs. Number three, I was doing a two-hander show at Edinburgh Fringe and right at the end of the show, I had to hope I had to open this pizza box. And then my and then my onstage wife would start this really long monologue. But every night she would put something different in the pizza box to try and get me to break character. One night it was condoms. But on the last night, it was a topless picture of her. I love so there's the it. three stories. Yeah, I want them all to be true. Yeah. Am I got, have I got a pick now? So we've both got to figure out. We don't have to pick the same well, one. Yeah. Okay. One of them, one of them's a big fat lie. And do you know what? I'm going to sort of say I reckon number two is true. The builder's sand. I yeah, really the builder's sand. I, I agree. I think I'm, I'm the first one that don't. The number two's got to be. Could be really, really true. I mean, the amount of things you do when you're making when you're doing small features or short films or shows or think you know there's so many things that you do anything for you if you do anything when you're for, for your art and and you just sit there just calling with bugs you ain't gonna get out it's well feasible because so much silly shit like that goes wrong and people don't think um it's such a weird job that we do that that is really feasible yeah so i'm thinking i think that's true i'm with you on that i think that's really feasible and People would just chuck builder's sand in it. Um, and I think three's true and all. Yeah, because I'm sort of thinking. I think that I've done so many scratch cards in my time and lotteries and bets and stuff. And three grand off a scratch card is oh, it's, a lot. It's, a, it's a big win. That. That's... I don't even think it's the three grand that makes me not believe it. It's really? a massive fucking coincidence that it was the lecturer that was being a cunt and gave them a pound and said, at least you'll have some money because you're not going to get a job. And then they bought something with that pound. And won three grand. If it was me, I'd have threw it in the back of their head and told them, fuck off. Or I would have done it. I would have bet it. I would put it on something like that just in case it would rub their face in it. And then I'd go back with the free grand and I'd sh- let it rain. Um, but then yeah, I'd make sure to pick it all up after I'd made it. Obviously, rain. Yeah, don't let it have it. Obviously, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, you let no one have it. Um, I'll tell you what, the third one, let me tell you what I think the third one's spot on because I spent, when you've got like something like that, especially when it's at the end of a, a scene or a play or whatever it might be. 
it's the funniest fucking thing in the world trying to make a co-star mm. laugh. When it when when you're yeah. meant to, obviously. It's the funniest thing in the world. There's nothing funnier. And then you know when you've got them, it's 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 even better. So I full on think that that third one is true because I've done it. Yeah. I've been there. I've done it, and I've had it done to me. Making people laugh the, um, is, when they should is hilarious. Yeah, I'm totally. I'm going for number one as the bullshit one. Yeah, and the fact that number three got a tip pick as well at the end of his show is that's you know, carry on top, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I'm with you. I think number one is um is is false, and the rest are true. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Hey, here we go. Do you know that's the first one I've got right in about six months? Just about to ask you, what is the percentage of the winners? Is it normally do um, people get it or not? Well, it's my one of my best mates that makes them up. Right. There's been a few times where I've realised that it's very similar to something that happened to the both of us, or we'll have both been talking about watching a certain TV show called Friends, and one of the stories is very similar to a storyline <laughs> that I've just watched on Friends. Um, do you yeah. know what, right? I've always said I should keep a leaderboard, and I, I, I should, because um, I've never, ever kept track. Because it's not like something like you can say, well, Charlie got nine points. Yeah, or well, you should get all the winners back at the end of the series or at the end of the year, I think, and then everyone that's won can come back on, and then for an ultimate for, game know, of stage right or stage show. Yeah. So does that mean you're coming back on at the end of the year? Is that you just you, confirming that? Listen, I've had a, I'm hundred percent come back on. I've had a lovely chat. I've had a little drink on a wonky Wednesday. I've sat there, <laughs> lovely chat, and. Uh, um, it's nice. It's not often that someone's very interested in all of the, uh, you know, the the rubbish and the stories and the and, and the interests of me personally or anyone else on the podcast. A lot of people want to know what your character's up to, doing this, that, and the other. So, and it's nice for me to sit and talk to someone else who's in the business to to chat. It's brilliant. I love. I it. actually really enjoyed it. had a discussion about that with one of my lecturers today. I said the my favorite thing about the podcast isn't actually finding out about Danny Moore or Aaron. And it, it's finding out about the actor that's my favourite part. And it's always the bit that I come away with. And it's even because I listen to it back because I edit everything. It's still the most, the, the best bit about it for me. But I will tell you another funny story. I've been trying to get you since day one and I kept getting no's. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> from, from agents? Yeah. And I literally, I sent this invitation the other day and I was in a workshop, a movement workshop of all places. And my phone buzzed in my pocket and I pulled it out and it come up, Charlie Wernham. Uh, yeah, Charlie, I'd love to do this. Uh, when are you available? And I went, oh, I'm in the middle of a workshop, but I need to reply to these people quickly because I, I, I want Charlie on the podcast. So, so I went, um, I just need to go to the loo. And I went and I took my bag with me because it had my diary in it. And I'm going through my diary in the toilet. Like, when am I free? When am I free? And I'm like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm free every day next week. I'll do whatever. No, listen, it's one of them things, especially it's really difficult as well when you've got um when you're when your name's put to a job as well. So sometimes, I mean, I don't know, I say EastEnders is not um is is sort of concluding. Um and it's one of those things where um sometimes the network or, or the production company there's not even any point in the agent saying yes or no, putting it to me mm. because I'm under contract or I'm not allowed. And if it's not approved, yeah. then it's difficult. So, um, But listen, what I'll do is I've got your email address on a chain. I don't know if you've got mine. Um, I haven't got yours. Chain no. I'll, I'll ping you a line personally. If anything, if you want to jump on or do anything else, you can email me personally and I'll tell you my diary. It's not. 100%. Um, I, I, we're coming to the end now. And obviously, thank you so much for helping me turn a, another year older. Uh, hopefully, by this point of the day, oh, yeah. I am full of fucking cake and I am, I'm not shouting at my cast to the, uh, have a show in five days. So actually, yeah, come on, go, if you want to buy me a fucking birthday present, Go buy a ticket for my show that I'm funding, directing, and writing. It's um, this is where we get off on the 21st of April, uh, 2022. Um, tickets are only a tenner, so come along. Send us a link. I'm there. Have you got anything planned coming up? Obviously, you can't tell us um that you and Gray Atkins are going to be sharing a cell in East Enders or something. That would be quite good, actually. That yeah. would be quite yeah. good. I think yeah, it would. Yeah, that would 
be good. I don't, I can't, yeah, I can't tell you anything about that. Unfortunately, I'm going to be really mm. boring. Um, <laughs> but I do have a show uh, that I've done for HBO called The Baby, which is a mm. very, very comedy thriller. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it, to be honest, because uh, it ain't even been edited yet or released. There's no release date and I haven't done any press for it or anything. So I'm probably going to get in trouble, but fuck it. Um, it I don't know when it comes world out. World exclusive. I, world exclusive. It's for HBO. Um, I don't know what channel it's on over here. Um, I should know, but it's a really good, um, good show. It's a comedy thriller, a really interesting show. I've just done um, the new being filmed, which I can't talk about at all already, probably because it's so, so exclusive. I'll get shot. Um, so but, do you want me to edit yeah, you saying that out of the podcast? Probably. I went on off on a tangent there, but you can definitely. But um, it's called The Baby. That's for HBO. That comes out this year. I don't know when. I, I actually have no idea. But that is that is something that um, if you do find it and you see an advert for it, if you're on HBO, be on in England as well. Um, that's a very good show. I'm really happy to be a part of it. But where can everyone find you on social media to keep up with what you're doing? Oh God, social media, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you, I'm on at Charlie Wernham. Um, I've got Twitter and I've got Instagram. I haven't got Facebook, but um, yeah, every now and then I do come out with a corker. Um, so yeah, feel free to uh, follow us on that. And obviously, any updates on the baby, on EastEnders, on anything else that I'm doing, I always do put it on my social media. So if anyone is kind kind enough to watch, I'll keep everyone updated on there. But I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you for coming on. And genuinely, like I said, I've been a massive fan of yours since pre-Inbetweeners because um, I, I realised who you were on Britain's Got Talent when I was doing research. I remember you on Britain's Got Talent, but it never put the no, two, yeah, two together. No, yeah, it's, it's a bit one of the things I try and keep it quick, quiet, because it is a bit crazy, but it's one of the things where if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be <laughs> doing what I love. So uh, hats off to to show. Yes, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for helping me celebrate turning fucking 24. Disgusting. I'm going to probably go and off myself after this. Um, but uh, I will let you get back to normal life. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Have a fucking amazing birthday. And there we have it. Another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 87 completed. Thank you so much to Charlie for coming on and doing my birthday episode for 2022 and for helping me celebrate my birthday in the best way that I could possibly imagine. Charlie's genuinely so lovely and I've just got so much time in the world for him. So please make sure to go down and follow him on all of his social medias, which you'll find down in the show notes. And if you're feeling generous, please follow me. It's my birthday. Give me a little bit of a birthday treat. I'm also down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps me out so much you don't even know. And it's free. So why bloody not? Remember, you can get tickets for my playwriting and directorial debut. This is where we get off at the Webster's Theatre on the 21st of April 2022 by clicking the link in the show notes below or going to www.highproductions.co.uk. As per usual, if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com and we will get back to you as soon as we possibly can. And don't forget that you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up to our Patreon. All the links for that are in the show notes below. You get loads of exclusive benefits, including early access to episodes. Double Drama School Dropout will continue throughout the entire month of April, even though my birthday has now come and gone. We are still doing it, and I'll be back on Tuesday with a brand spanking new episode, so please make sure to come back. And I just genuinely want to take a moment to say thank you so much for everybody that's returning, everybody that's new listening to the podcast. You're genuinely making my life so much better, and I absolutely love each and every single one of yours. So please have a great Easter weekend. Stay safe. I love you. Bye. Drama school dropout. No graduation day for you. Drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout.